You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What is going on, everybody? This is the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ty Daubert. We're coming at you with a brand new episode. Uh, The Phillies, you know, they made some news. Um, You're probably listening to this on Wednesday. So yesterday they made some news. The Phillies, they decided to retire number 34 for Roy Halladay, the late great pitcher, a Hall of Famer. Um, So they're going to retire his number this year. And we're going to talk about that and a little bit of a spring training preview for everybody. Uh, Before that, I want to introduce everyone to my co-host, Johnny Heller. Johnny, what do you think of the Phillies' decision to retire this number for Halliday? Um, I think that it's it's crazy because he was a Philly for f- four years and he was only healthy for two of those years. And like, it's just crazy that, like, looking at that itself, it's like that guy's number is retired. But when you look at the impact he had on the team. Um, and the organization as a whole, I I think it was the right move. Yeah, I, I would agree. He's in the Hall of Fame uh, with a blank hat, so he's not in as either a Blue Jay or a Philly. He's in just as a player representing both teams. Um, the Phillies have long had some some sort of, if not completely written down, an informal policy that you have to be a Hall of Famer for the team to retire your number. Halliday's in with a blank cap, so they decided to retire it. And like you said, the impact that he made in such a short amount of time is, I, I don't know if there's another player who made that kind of that kind of impact um, other than someone who maybe won a championship for their team. Uh, what, what he did in Philly was really special. You think back to 2010 where he threw the second perfect game in Philly's history, and then he followed that up in his first ever playoff game. He never threw a playoff game for the Blue Jays. He comes in to Philadelphia, his first his first postseason game in his whole career, and he goes out and he throws a no-hitter to cap that incredible season. And then he follows it up in 2011 with an even better season, one where he probably should have won the Cy Young. It went to Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. But I, I think if it was today's voting standards, he would probably have gotten it. So just what he did in those two years were absolutely incredible. The way that this fan base and this city um, kind of, you know, he quickly became one of their own, and Philadelphia really embraced Roy Halladay. They wanted him at the 2009 trade deadline, and they ended up getting Cliff Lee. Uh, but the fans were super excited to to see Roy Halladay come, and he, for those first two seasons, he you know, beyond lived up to the expectations and what he meant to that team, what he meant to that era of Phillies baseball, and what he meant to the city of Philadelphia. Um, I I think that's really special, and I think they ended up making the right move to retire his number. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now I think what a lot of people are going to be talking about now since Halliday's number is retired and obviously he was he's a Hall of Famer but also he was only here for a few seasons should should the Phillies also you know change their policy and retire you know 11 for Jimmy Rollins and, and 26 for Chase Utley I don't I mean I think it's a, definitely an interesting discussion what do you what do you think yeah I think that they they should do that because you know they were 
Halliday, or excuse me, Utley and Rollins, and along with Ryan Howard, they were the faces of that whole run. And Roy Halliday came in a little bit later, and he was obviously special in his own right. But talking about what particular players meant to the franchise and to that era of baseball in Philadelphia, I, I just think that it would it would not be right to to keep for another player to wear 11, 26, and, and 6. And I know Howard's career especially tailed off harder than Utley and Rollins. And, you know, legacy-wise, he is not as close to the other, the other two. But I, I would think it'd be difficult to retire any one of those players' numbers, especially if none of them make the Hall of Fame. And right. I think it would retiring all three would be the right move. What do you think about 35? Um, that's a, that's a tough one. That, that's a I, maybe. I wouldn't be, a, I wouldn't be upset if they did it. I would, like, I, I don't, un, I don't understand anyone getting upset with a team wanting to honor one of their great players by retiring their number. That just doesn't make sense. But that one, not retiring it is a little more understandable. I, see, I think I would put 35 and what Cole Hamels did over Ryan Howard. I mean, personally, I mean, first of all, Hamels is gonna like he won't be a Hall of Famer, but he's definitely closer to that, uh, you know, status. And also, he when you think about longevity, and also, obviously, the '09 postseason was tough, but what he did in '08, um, and he was just, I mean, he was from when he got called up until you know he was traded in 2015, he was. Uh, a really really good player um i yeah. don't know i yeah I put that's him a good over point. howard just because howard was brilliant for a few seasons but um i don't know i agree with you there's there's nothing wrong with retiring all of them um but we'll, we'll see yeah also thing... go ahead at least at least a hall of famer like he should be yeah i uh, agree best second baseman of the last 20 years probably yeah i mean i think that he will be in his last. Like I think he'll he'll stay on the ballot. He'll have something similar to what we see with some of these fringe guys like Larry Walker this year, where you know it, it takes a last last push in the last few years to get him in. But I think he will get in because he was, like you said, the best second baseman of our generation, one of the best second basemen of all time, like top ten second baseman of all time. Yeah, I com- I completely agree. And just going back to. Uh, what we originally were talking about, Roy Halladay. I I really do think the organization made the right move. Uh, I, I was actually at Roy Halladay's postseason no-hitter, probably the best baseball memory that I have ever had and probably will ever had, will ever have, you know, being at being at that game, such a um, a big night in baseball history. So, yeah. I think honoring what Roy Halladay meant to the organization and everything, I, I think that they they made the right move. And for a little while, it seemed like maybe they wouldn't do it. But when Bryce Harper signed and he didn't want 34 and he wanted Roy Halladay, you know, like he wanted 34 to be Roy Halladay's number, I, I think that was the, the right thing to do. Yep, I agree. Um, but moving on from the whole number retirement discussion. Uh, The next thing we wanted to talk about was there's been some rumors going around in the baseball landscape 
Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic and MLB Network, he reported that it's looking like a Mookie Betts trade is going to happen, and it's just kind of a matter of when versus if. It's looking like the Red Sox and the Dodgers would be um, likely trade partners, but maybe the Padres are on the outside still. We heard about them a little while ago. But, Johnny, I want to know, do you think that bets to the Dodgers is going to happen soon, and uh, what would that mean for the for baseball as a whole and especially the NL playoff picture? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing I've learned and we've learned and everyone's learned over the past few off-seasons is that just because the Dodgers are connected to someone, whether it's a free agent or someone in trade, does not mean that they're going to land him actually very rarely. Like, who, have, who, what free agents and, and like, trades have the Dodgers actually gone through with the past few off-seasons? I, I can't really, like, any big names? I mean, they traded for Darvish, but, like, they've just been connect- connected to so many guys, like, real mutual last off-season. Um, and so, until they actually trade for bets, I don't know. I'm skeptical. Yeah. But also, I think the Red Sox, for whatever reason, are set on trading. I mean, we know the reason. Yeah, the it's, reason is that they are cheap. being cheap and they don't want to, they don't want to spend all the money. So we but we know I, the reason. Yeah, and so I mean, yeah. To your point, if the Dodgers get Mookie Betts, that lineup that's already terrifying is just better. You know, it's yeah. They add maybe the second best position player in the game, but I just can't get over the fact like, Matt. It's one thing if it's like the the Indians trading Lindor because it's kind of a small market and you know you at least like sort of understand the need to keep costs lower than big market teams. But the Red Sox play in Boston and. There's really no reason that they need to stay below the luxury tax. And then even so, maybe if they need to stay below the luxury tax, it would make sense if it was David Price. But if you're refusing to pl- to pay, like you said, a top two or three position player in all of baseball, you know, a guy who is on pace to be a Hall of Famer, like what are you doing? Yeah, why why have the team if you if that's if you're yeah, not you are that guy? You aren't the Tampa Bay Rays. Like, you're the Boston Red Sox. I think this is just embarrassing. Yeah, uh, I mean, to be fair, they, it wouldn't be the first time they traded one of the best players or sold yeah. away one of the best players in baseball because they didn't want to pay him. But yep. but <laughs> it, it, it's just ridiculous. Like, what is the point? What What's the point if you're not in it to have some of the best players and compete every single year? We ask the same question about the Phillies, but... This is even more yeah, so of an extreme. Is, yeah. You already have someone who is one of the best players in baseball, and now you're getting rid of him because you just don't want to pay up when you can afford it. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it's it's embarrassing. Yeah, but uh, going, going back to your point you made earlier about the Dodgers, it seemed like they were the heavy favorites to get JT Realmuto all of last offseason. It looked like a couple times like it was probably going to be done, but they did not end up doing it. This happens with a lot of free agents as well. It looks like they're going to sign them, and then they pull out. Happened with Harper last year. So who really knows 
because they they've done this a lot. I, you know, they've also traded for big names like Manny Machado and and people like that. But it, it does seem like they're in on everybody, and then at the last second they do have the tendency to uh, back out. So we'll have to see the Padres if they got Mookie Betts. That would be that would be a pretty good team. I would be if if you're a Phillies fan. I think you would prefer that Betts goes to the Dodgers if he's going to go to one of those two teams because um, just looking at the Phillies' path to the playoffs, it's probably going to be through the wild card. And if the Padres get Betts, I think that's an upper 80s win team at least. It's a really good team. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, If you're rooting for the Phillies to just... Here, let, let, let me rephrase that. So... Uh, if the goal is to make the playoffs, it's probably better for the Dodgers to get bets for this season. But if the goal is for the Phillies to win the World Series or make the World Series, then it's probably better if the Padres get it. Does that make sense? That's Yeah, I, I agree with that. You're right. Because if, if the Dodgers get him, they're clearly the, the yeah. NL favorites to make it to the world series and they're probably the favorites as of now oh they are by far the best team in the nl yeah for for sure it's it's the dodgers and then i think the braves are a little clear of the rest of the pack but then you know the nationals mets phillies uh the reds the padres the diamondbacks i mean you have six or seven teams that are all in the same even, you know, the Cubs and the Cardinals, all those teams are projected to be around, you know, 87, 88 win teams. Um, so it's it's going to be wild, I think, just this season. Yeah, I, com- I completely agree. So what what do you think they the Dodgers might have to give up if they get bets? Um, well, it depends if they take on Price's contract. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and how much they pay. But, I mean, they're not going to trade. The fact that they're not going to trade Gavin Lux or Dustin May is absurd because they are getting literally one of the best players in baseball. And, um, you know, those are the two top prospects. So I don't know exactly. Probably one of their, you know, maybe Alex Verdugo, a major leaguer, and then um, some, you know, good prospects, but no one who's top in baseball or anything. Yeah, I, I I'd agree there, um, but if Betts goes to anywhere in the NL, one of the teams that is likely to trade for him, that would definitely make the path to success a lot harder for the Phillies. It, it's good for the Phillies that it wouldn't most likely be in division, but it could affect the wild card and then their playoff hopes as well. So that would be definitely something to monitor. For the Phillies, I, I think a lot of people hoped maybe earlier at some point in the more recent past that the Phillies would be one of the teams in on bets, but it is not looking like that is likely at all. Um, oh. But the next thing we wanted to talk about, uh, kind of the last thing we wanted to talk about on this podcast, pitchers and catchers report to spring training Next week, there are already, of course, some players that have reported to spring training and they're doing workouts in Clearwater already. But uh, the pitchers and catchers next week 
spring training's going to start. Uh, games will they'll start to happen a little bit after the workouts start. So I guess that means we're really getting into baseball season. It's very close, kind of hard to believe it b- went both in some regards super slow, but it is kind of crazy that it's already here, um, you know, starting next week. But we wanted to talk about some of the competitions in spring training, uh, the fringes of the roster, and who could be competing for what spots. So, Johnny, I'll let you kind of take direction of this conversation for now. But let's get into what spring training could look like for the Phillies. Sure. So we can start by talking about um, position players. So as the Phillies roster stands right now, we know what the starting lineup is going to be on opening day. Uh, not the order, but we know roughly who's going to play where. Um, Girardi hasn't confirmed Kingery at third base, but I think that's probably likely in Segura at second. Um, then obviously the outfield, um, McCutcheon, Hazley, Harper, and then Hoskins at first, Didi at short, and Remuto catching. So then the bench, also probably three spots locked up. Uh, Jay Bruce, Roman Quinn, and Andrew Knapp. And if not Andrew Knapp, just another catcher, but it'll probably be Andrew Knapp. So, with but the Phillies have carried four-man benches the past uh, few seasons, but with the extra roster spot, the MLB rosters are expanding to 26 this year, um, and teams aren't allowed to have more than 13 pitchers on the roster, which means the Phillies will have to carry a five-man bench. Um, obviously, that's two outfielders on their bench and a catcher, so... We're looking at at least one, maybe two utility infielders, um, you know, to round out that part of the roster. So when you look at who the Phillies have invited to spring training, it's a lot of, you know, utility infielders, veteran guys who um, some played a lot last year, some didn't. So you're looking at Neil Walker, who was with the Marlins last year, Ronald Torres, um, I think he was with the Twins last year. I don't know if he really played. Yeah, he I was, think he was with the Twins kind of recently, at least. He was a Girardi. He was with the Yankees uh, when Girardi was there. Uh, Josh Harrison, who was uh, with the Tigers last year, struggled. Used to be on the Pirates. Who was on, on a team with McCutcheon and Walker. Uh, and then Phil Gosselin, who was on the Phillies last year. And also, they, they signed um, Logan Forsyth the other day, who was with the Rangers last year. And all these guys, I mean, like, Forsyth can play all four infield positions. A lot of them can play, you know, second and third, um, some short. So it's definitely going to be, you know, a competition between these guys you'd expect um, in spring training for at least one of these spots. And, you know, it's not likely that Alec Boehm's going to make the roster out of spring training, which means they'll probably start the season with two of, Maybe might be two of these guys on the bench, but eventually it will just be one once Boehm is called up. Um, so, yeah, um, I think... May- maybe. I, or maybe they... No, because maybe they just put Kingery out in center and they'll send down an outfielder uh, and put Hazley on the bench. Well, yeah, maybe. But also, you know, if, if you're playing Kingery in center, he can act as a... Technically, if he's starting game in center, he can still act as a utility guy. Yeah, for in sure. Terms of but I, game. I, I still I, think that it could be an outfielder. We could yeah. see two of these guys in the roster right. for most of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think we'd expect to see Bruce go ever. Um, but maybe if Roman Quinn is struggling or not really getting playing time at all, 
um, he got sent down. Yeah, that's who. That's who up. I was thinking. Yeah. Um, who's your Who's your out of these guys? Who's your favorite? Who Who do I think is the best? Like, who's most likely to make the yeah. roster? Yeah. Um. Ooh, that's tough. I mean, Neil Walker seems yeah. like he's probably Walker's probably the best out of them right now. Maybe if Harrison could get back to what he was a couple of years ago, obviously, like you said, he struggled last year. Um, he could be somebody that's productive. Uh, Goslin was good in limited plate appearances last season, yeah. but so was Nick Williams in 2018. And as we've talked about before, small sample sizes can make somebody look a little better than they are maybe. So I'm not completely sold on Goslin, especially because – I don't think he even hit any home runs. Just got uh, a lot of singles. So hey, what, hey, he had a he had a, a very important double in Colorado. What in April or May? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, he did he did that. So, <laughs> but but like I was saying, I think Walker and Harrison are probably the best out of them. Um, I still think that there is an outside shot that the Phillies bring back Brad Miller. And obviously he would m- most likely be the first bench option out of the infielders uh, because he has legitimate pop, hit a good amount of homers for the Phillies last year in a bench role. So if, yeah. they, could, if they could bring him back, he'd be their best bench option for an infielder uh, and pretty close as their best bench hitter with Jay Bruce, I would say. I, would, I think I would put him ahead of Bruce because he doesn't wear batting gloves. And that like is an automatic edge, in my opinion. But yeah, that's that's fair. Um, but I I agree with you. I mean, Goslin. Some would refer to him as the right-handed Greg Dobbs. I'm not naming names here, but some would. But he also, like you said, he only hit singles. And you know, if you're just hitting balls on the ground, sure, some will get through one year, but the next year they might not. So it was super fluky. Um, Josh Harrison's been injured the past couple seasons. So, who knows? Maybe he comes back fully healthy for the first time, just like Arietta, Jake Arietta, also healthy for the first time as a Philly. And, you know, maybe he uh, can be a productive guy off the bench. Um, but Walker is clearly the best of these players. Um, he was fine in Miami, but, like, for your first guy off the bench, that's or for your first infielder off the bench, that's okay. He can play. First, second, and third, um, and I think that he—if I were to bet on any of these guys making the roster out of camp, it's going to be Neil Walker. Yeah, um, I'd say as of now, that's probably likely. Right. But if they were to get Miller back or somebody like that, then I think that Harrison's defensive versatility could make him the second bench infielder as opposed to Walker, who's definitely more of a hitter uh, and even more of a first baseman than he is, uh, you know, any other infield position at this point in his career. Neil Walker, though, uh, something that does make him very valuable is he had an important role in that video with Terry Collins and the umpire Tom Hallian. He was talking to Tom Hallian saying that they should have told Terry that if anyone was hit, then there would be ejections so that him and Philly's legend Ty Kelly are both featured in that video, which does make, you know, Walker a very important player and someone who has an important role in baseball history. 
I agree there. Um, just before we move to the bullpen, just want to touch on uh, so that the Phillies have a couple outfielders in camp too. Um, the non-roster guys are Mikey Matuk and Matt Caesar, and then they also added one um, they designated for assignment uh, Odubel Herrera. They added Nick Martini. And uh, Nick Williams also still on the 40-man roster. So do you see any of those guys having an outside shot of, of making the roster out of spring? Um, probably not. It's looking like it'll be Jay Bruce and Roman Quinn. Uh, they were both semi-productive down the stretch for the Phillies, at least. I know Bruce got hurt, but he, he was good for the most part. Uh, Quinn has obviously shown that he has not been able to stay healthy, so if he were to get hurt, or even if Bruce were to get hurt, then I think Martini could come up um, probably before Nick Williams. But right now I'm going to lean towards Quinn and Bruce as being the bench outfielders. Yeah, I agree with that, especially Quinn. When he's healthy, even if he's not hitting, he's a pretty good defensive outfielder, and, you know... Having speed, it's not, speed isn't used as much as it was, you know, on the base paths 10, 15, 20 years ago, but it's still important. Um, and I think Quinn adds that element that no one else really would. And yeah. he's a switch hitter, and all your other options. Martini and Williams are both lefties, so maybe that plays a role too. My, my favorite development of last year's season was that they were going to make Roman Quinn a right-handed only hitter, and then I'm pretty <laughs> sure he went on to hit two double-deck home runs as a lefty that year. So yeah. that was super weird, just a very yeah. weird thing to happen, yeah. uh, like a lot of the things with the Phillies just kind of out there. So that that was a fun one, but Quinn, I think he showed he showed that he can – be a moderately productive player last season yeah. and like I said I think he'll be up on on the bench as the fifth outfielder yeah those two weeks in August that he was healthy last year he was absolutely ripping it but then he got hurt <laughs> yeah the kind of the story of his career I would say yeah. so it absolutely if he can stay healthy I think he'd be a productive member of the Phillies yeah agreed um, moving on to the bullpen, I mean, I think, do you agree that the rotation is is roughly set in that it'll be, you know, it'll be Nola, Wheeler, Arietta, Zach Eflin, and then one of Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez? Yeah, to start the season, it'll be that. Yeah. Spencer, Unless, Spencer you know, Howard I, will I, make it eventually, but it'll be yeah. probably that. And I'm surprised none of their uh, non-roster invitees have been veteran starting pitchers. Um, I think that's a little bit of a surprise, but also, you know, maybe they just, they're confident that one of Pavetta or Velasquez can pull through. Um, I th I'd, I'd say it's more likely that they're confident that Spencer Howard will be up for them eventually. Right, right. One of those guys can pull through, I mean, until, until Howard. Yeah, exactly. Helps. And I mean, there are some guys with outside shots, um, uh, in camp, like maybe a Damon Jones or if Ranger Suarez is gonna compete for it like maybe maybe probably not but maybe if they show out in spring they could yeah. get the fifth spot or but i'd say Velasquez and pavetta are horrible you know yeah exactly but um for the bullpen that's a little more in question than 
the rotation, I would definitely say. Uh, who are, who are, who would you say are the locks to be in the bullpen to start the season? The locks? I mean, Jose Alvarez, Victor Arano, uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, um, Hector Neris, that's four. Adam Morgan. Adam Morgan. And then I would say one of Velasquez and Pavetta. Yeah, I would. I agree with that mostly. Maybe Arano isn't completely locked in, but I'd say that as long as he's healthy, he's more likely than not going to be in the bullpen. So that leaves how many spots? Two? Two, yeah. So, yeah. You're looking at Ranger Suarez, who was honestly pretty good, um, especially late last year. Like, he was fine. Um, Robert Stock, who I think people are kind of excited about because he throws hard and it looks like he's been working hard this offseason. Um, Cole Irvin, I don't really, I don't think so. I think that's a no go, man. I, yeah. Suarez is better than Irvin. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Edgar Garcia was fine at stretches last year, but he was pretty bad. He was, yeah. he was pretty ineffective. Yeah. I mean, that slider. I, he's Maybe. a couple years away. They should yeah. have had to rush yeah. him last season. Things went yeah. wrong. He was still probably a year or two. He's yeah. probably still a year or two away now, and I think the same would go for J.D. Hammer as well. Yeah, agreed. Um, Austin Davis now. We talked about Eniel De Los Santos before we started recording. Yeah, They just don't seem to like him. Yeah, it seems like they are not high on him at all and they keep him as this weird swing man and i think he'd be an all right reliever if they committed to it but yeah who knows um and then looking at non-roster well uh garrett clevenger is on the 40 man i know you're very excited about garrett clevenger but yeah i think i think clevenger is good there's a couple could he make it out of camp though um let's let's just talk about all these minor league guys as a whole so we have Connor Brogdon's going to be in camp. Kyle Dowey. Uh, Tyler Gilbert will be in camp. Damon Jones will be in camp. They have him working as a starter right now, but who knows. Um, other minor league guys, Addison Russ and Zach Warren. And then they also have some non-roster invitees that are more veterans like Bud Norris, Drew Storen, um, and uh, Francisco Liriano. So those are the non-roster guys I think Liriano's probably the only actual like veteran guy that they've signed that has a real good chance in my opinion the like Bud Norris and Drew Storen are they're definitely past their primes I, I doubt that they would make the roster and I'm sure you would agree yep but the, there's some exciting it's in, intriguing names out of the minor leaguers. I think that, like I said, Liriano could take up one spot. It wouldn't shock me, but it's definitely not a lock. But some of these other guys, like Connor, Connor Brogdon, his fastball really improved last season. I think he pitched across three, three levels last season going up to triple-A, to so uh, he's somebody that could be an option. Kyle Dowey is a hard-throwing lefty that they promoted to AAA early on. And he walked a ton of guys. Yeah, so he was good in Reading to start the year, and then it fell apart in AAA, like, completely. Yeah. So either he struggled with the competition or with the new baseball in AAA. 
So I'm not I'm not sure what it is there, but I doubt he would make it. Uh, Tyler Gilbert pitched up to he was in AAA last year. Uh, I he was he was pretty good, but maybe his stuff is not as good as some of these other guys. He's a he's another lefty. I I would not I would not count on him making it because I think there's well first of all they already have two lefties in the bullpen in Morgan and Alvarez, so I, I just think there's better left-handed options. Damon Jones is another lefty, but like I said, they're currently using him as a starter. Uh, Ramon Rosso's in camp. I didn't mention him earlier. He's the starter right now, and I'd say it's not likely that he were to make the Major League roster at this point. Addison Russ was in Double A last season. He was their closer, uh, really good splitter. Obviously, it's probably not... Naris level, but he may have one of the better splitters in baseball at this point. So, um, but but Addison Russ had some good strikeout numbers, and he uh, he he was pretty good last season. So maybe he's somebody they look at. And Zach Warren, like I said, another lefty, um, good strikeout guy. They pro- they might go with him, but. Um, I, I doubt it because he was only in single A last season, but they also have been able to uh, they've been able to rush some guys not rush but fast track them to the majors. I would say you saw Sir Anthony Dominguez quickly get sent up. So uh, who really knows? But yeah. Clevenger Clevenger is the guy they put on the forty man. They thought that he might be taken in the uh rule five draft i think that he he's really good he has a really good fastball that he got up to like 99 by the end of this season uh good breaking ball and high strikeout numbers also can be can be a little wild but 14 strikeouts per nine does not lie so i think that he is somebody that could He's like a kind of a little bit of a high risk, high reward type of guy, but if he can get the control down, I think he could be somebody good out of the bullpen. But he's another lefty. A lot of seems like there's a lot of lefties, and I don't know how yeah. many they'll carry, especially in the post Lugie era of baseball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Morgan and Alvarez are locks, so you already you already have two lefties. Um, at times last season, they only carried one lefty. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was two seasons ago. No, but, but um, I think last year when Morgan got hurt, there was times yeah. where Alvarez was the only one. <laughs> Great. Um, they also if you, had, were to, if you were to... No, go ahead. Do you think there is more of a chance that one of these minor league guys, Clevenger included, uh, makes the team outright? Or do you think it's more likely that it's going to be Liriano and then uh, one of the guys who was on the team last year? Um. I don't know. Some of the things I've seen and read, it seems like they're pretty high on some of these guys. I think that maybe I think that somebody like Connor Brogdon has a at least a decent chance of making the opening day roster. Obviously, I don't really know, um, but I I think it could happen. That's very exciting. I think uh, when you know you see young guys coming up. Um, one last question before we wrap things up. You touched on Damon Jones. He's being groomed as a starter. Where would you put him 
you know, obviously Pavetta and Velasquez have the highest shot of getting the the last spot in the rotation. Where would you put him in the mix with the other guys like you know Ranger Suarez and Cole Irvin? Um, you know, in that in that mix for a spot, whether it's now out of the season, out of the gate, or if a need arises later because of injury. Um, I think that they would give Irvin um, a shot before him. I don't think that's the right thing to do because Jones has better stuff. Uh, he did not throw a ton of innings last season, only 114, and his starts were, you know, relatively short as they do with a lot of their minor league pitchers. But, and also Jones was not, he was another guy who was not good once he got called up to AAA. But, you know, there's an adjustment period. You got to get used to the ball and things like that. But Jones has good stuff, whereas Cole Irvin does not, to be frank about it. But mm-hmm. I, I just think I think that they would try Irvin out because they did a lot last season, things like that. Um, but I think Jones would probably fare better. Yeah, that's int- that's that makes sense, I guess, um, that they – I mean, like you said, it doesn't – they shouldn't give Irvin a shot over Jones, but – it does seem consistent with um, something the organization would do. Yeah. Um, last thing I just want to talk about really quickly, do you think backup catcher is actually a competition, or do you think it'll go to Andrew Knapp? No, it's not a competition. They love Andrew Knapp. Um, Grion is super raw. Yeah. I, and when not a we good, saw When not, we saw him last season – at the end of the year, like his receiving abilities, just looking at them were yeah. were not great. I I think yeah. they'll just stick with what they're comfortable with. Uh, I think they like uh, for all of Nap's downsides. Obviously, not a great hitter, but I think they like how he calls a game and he seems to work all right with uh, yeah. the pitching staff. The pitching staff likes him, so that's that's important, especially if he's only going to be playing a couple times a week. And you know, it's not. It, obviously, you'd love to have a great hitter, but that's not what's most important when it's your backup catcher. So. Yeah, especially with um, with the bigger bench this year, so he's not going to have to come up in big spots as a pinch hitter. Right, exactly, exactly. But, yeah, that'll, that pretty much does it for the competitions that we're probably going to see in spring training. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of spring training. I know you will be there. You'll get to see some of it uh, yep. at, at some point. What are the dates you're going? I am going uh, starting like the second, I think. So a little less than a month from now. Um, yeah, awesome. Going to a few games from between then and the fifth, I think. All right, cool. So we'll uh, at, at some point we'll get a spring training update from Johnny what he was able to see. But that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. Do you have anything uh, you want to add here before we end it? Nope. Just ready for baseball season to start. Yeah, definitely. I feel the same way. Um, But thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. Uh, For myself, Ty Dauber, and for Johnny Heller, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.